On Thursday, August 25th, the Alberta Prosperity Project and Rebel News are hosting a special UCP Leadership Dinner and Forum at the Edmonton Convention Centre. We're asking the UCP Leadership candidates tough, but fair questions, like how will they protect our rights and freedoms from the United Nations Agenda 2030 and World Economic Forum's Great Reset? How will they fight the climate change initiative? And how will they counter inflation? You won't want to miss this event. Get your ticket today at www.albertaprosperityproject.com. Oh, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Live Stream. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed, on Mondays, and my co-host is my friend Adam Sos in Calgary. And bear with me, everybody, if I'm a little bit rusty. I did not host at all last week, which is strange because usually I host sometimes up to three or four days a week. So uh, pardon me if I don't know what's going on. Adam, how's it going? Oh, it's going wonderful. How are you? Oh, like I said, a little rusty. Um, (laughs) Now on Mondays, it's normally a a pretty Alberta-centric show with me being east of Edmonton in an undisclosed location and Adam in the uh, office in Calgary. And uh, on Mondays, or some Mondays, our show is sponsored by the folks at the Alberta Prosperity Project, or the APP. Uh, Guys, we have a commercial to roll to from them. I know it's early, but let's do it. Or did I put them on the spot? No, it's there. It's coming. Okay, no, 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 that's okay. They're having a little bit of technical difficulty in the office. So not only did I put them on the spot, but they're having a a moment with the TriCaster. But uh, while they're sorting that out, I'll just tell everybody what we're doing um, today, but also every day um, that we host the live stream or that one of our um, rebel talent hosts the live stream. So this is an opportunity for us to talk about the news of the day in an unscripted, sometimes fun way. Some people like it, some people don't. But the good news is there's a lot of rebel content out there that you might like if you don't like this. And we are currently streaming on YouTube. However, as you know, YouTube is a censorship platform. So there might come a point in the show today where we have to cut the YouTube feed if we start talking about the things that YouTube doesn't like. Um, So the good news about that is we are also currently streaming on Getter and Rumble and Odyssey. And the beauty of Rumble and Odyssey is that you can support the work that we do completely willingly by leaving us a paid chat on Rumble. Those are called a Rumble rant. On Odyssey, they're called hyper chats. And if you send one of those, we'll do our best to address your question, query, comment, story idea live on air. I think that's everything now. Do we have the APP commercial? Okay, let's go to that. On Thursday, August 25th, the Alberta Prosperity Project and Rebel News are hosting a special UCP Leadership Dinner and Forum at the Edmonton Convention Centre. We're asking the UCP Leadership candidates tough, but fair questions, like how will they protect our rights and freedoms from the United Nations Agenda 2030 and World Economic Forum's Great Reset? How will they fight the climate change initiative? And how will they counter inflation? You won't want to miss this event. Get your ticket today at www.albertaprosperityproject.com. I cut off a little bit early, but uh, albertaprosperityproject.com for your tickets for the, I I guess it's a debate. They call it a forum, but really it's going to be a a debate on the 25th in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, there's a very fancy dinner and I'll be there and Ezra will be there and hopefully Adam will be there and um, a great chance to put some tough questions to the UCP leadership candidates instead of um, yeah, although I will say some of the questions at the other debates have been pretty darn good, but these will be, um, I think more 
rebel-centric questions, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's, it is interesting. Like I, I have noted often it's the scrums at these other debates, and it's great that there has been extensive opportunities because I think at every one of the UCP debates, I've managed to get two to three questions into every single leadership hopeful. So unlike some sort of past things, and we have seen the odd candidate dipping out on the especially more federally, but dipping out on the scrums. But provincially, yeah. there seems to be more of a sort of willingness to just stand there and answer questions, extensive availability. Uh, hopefully, there'll be a bit of that here, but definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be a great event and great to sort of, rather than having some of those concerns about the UN World Economic Forum, government overreach freedom be a small portion or an emphasis in the scrums. It's good that it'll be the core emphasis right in the middle of that debate there. You know, the APP is so great. I was just out and we're, we'll have a report coming soon at uh, Bibles and Bulls um, in Mira, Alberta, the whistle stop APP is sponsor there. They had a shooter too sponsored as well. It's incredible how just in, ingrained in the community they've become, how, how quickly they've been sort of adopted by the community as a very sort of organic grassroots movement. So really great, uh, grateful to have them as a sponsor and uh, looking forward to this event. Uh, it's, it's sure to be a good one. Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, I, I think at the on the 25th, very Alberta first. What are you mm -hmm. going to do to protect us from Ottawa? What are you going to do to protect us from the United Nations? Uh, what are you going to do to protect us from these nitrogen targets? You know, you hear a lot of, oh, strongly worded letters about things that the premier doesn't like yeah. in Alberta. But these are going to be questions about, okay, fine, you sent your strongly worded letter. What's the mm -hmm. or else now that those are going to be the the uh, questions that will be put to these candidates. So uh, we want to see some meat put on the bones of their policy ideas. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I I really think other journalists like sort of mainstream journalists um, have really sort of missed the crux of the opportunity here. These candidates are available. I've done or have sort of scheduled yeah. these 30 minute walking interviews with each of these candidates. Um, and there, there's almost nothing else like that. Um, and then like lots of other independent outlets are asking really strong questions during the scrums or whatever. But I, I hope that this will be a real, as you said, sort of meat on the bones opportunity to ask those tough questions. Because aside from the sort of scrum or those long form interviews I'm doing with these people, they're just kind of not being forced to engage with those ideas. I mean, they might do it on a town hall on a small level, um, but on a broader perspective, it's good that there's eyes being brought to that. Yeah, there's my, uh, as, as Brian Jean said, and Adam uh, so's trademark walk and talk. Um, but uh, it's great to just have these politicians being willing to meet up uh, and have these long conversations. I want to give a big shout out to Mocha right now. I mean, this guy walks backwards. For people who don't know, Mocha walks backwards for half an hour, navigating like forests and towns and pedestrians uh, and monitoring audio. He does it all. That's not a camera crew. That's one guy. So big shout out to Mocha Bazirian. Dude's, uh, we joke he uses a force to navigate this. But uh, Jill, I did want to ask you, it's a question that I often get, get from people. Um, we can talk about all the candidates or we can talk about the front runners, whatever you prefer. Um, but it, is there someone that you feel is sort of garnering momentum, uh, likely to win? Do you think there's a, I mean, we can probably agree to who that might be, but do you think there might be an implosion? What do you think about the other sort of candidates, their odds at catching up? What's, what's your position on the race right now? You know, I, uh, as I always say, no one will ever know whom I support, um, because yeah. I dislike all politicians equally. Um, but, uh, I'm egalitarian that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think Daniel Smith is clearly the front runner at this point. 
um, yeah. which I think speaks to the quality of Albertans, that they are able to set mm-hmm. aside what she did in 2014, 2015, and give her another chance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for people who don't know the history, she crossed the floor to the progressive conservatives and tried to take the party with her. And the grassroots said, what are you doing? We exist yeah. because we don't like the old cronyist progressive conservatives. We're the real conservative party. And we are not going to join that party until you give us a chance. And so yeah. Jason Kenney did that appropriately a few yeah. years later. Um, but she has been on, I guess, a seven-year-long apology tour about that. Mm-hmm. She is the first person to say that I did it wrong. I didn't do it the right way. I would never do it that way again. And she bears a lot of responsibility in ushering in four years of NDP government. All that is to say, though, she's out there saying she's sorry, she got it wrong, and she's willing to say sorry to people that she didn't harm, but the Alberta government did during the lockdown. She said that she would go on an apology tour. And so uh, I think that actually says more about Albertans than it does Mm -hmm. about Daniel Smith, that they're willing to say, okay, you know what? We are Albertans. This is a land of second chances. This is a land of redemption. And we're willing to offer it to you if you don't screw us over. Um, I think Taves, Travis Taves, he's just too much Jason Kenney 2.0. And while he is out there saying that he believes in freedom, he was on the cabinet that locked everybody down. He was on the COVID Mm -hmm. cabinet. So while he's saying, oh, thank goodness that the court has overturned these contempt rulings against Pastor Art Polosky, you're the guy who brought in the restrictions on churches that ultimately ended up in his incarceration and his multiple Mm -hmm. arrests, these high profile El Chapo style takedowns on tarmacs and street corners. So I'm sorry, but where were you? Mm -hmm. Where were you? Except in the cabinet, but also in Sky Palace, by the way. Um, yeah. morally and ethically, um, I, I think Todd Lowen is right on point. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's not much that I would disagree with him on a policy issue. He stood up to Jason Kenney yeah. when he saw that people were being, um, or were having their civil liberties infringed on and he paid the ultimate price for it in that he mm-hmm. lost his, uh, role in the party. He was kicked right out. He sat as an independent, but he's wildly popular in his riding for that. Um, you know, much Alla like Ala Drew Barnes, much like Roman yeah. Babber, same thing. These guys who are were conscientious objectors and they didn't care if it cost them their career. Uh, I'm a Todd Lowen fan, for sure, uh, morally and, and uh, personally. Um, I think... And if Brian you don't mind, G- sort of, and, on that sorry, note, just because there's just, something... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I was going to say, it, spe- Brian Jean. it speaks to your point <laughs> entirely, and it doesn't relate to Brian Jean. So I think, and it just echoes back to it. Um, at the last Western Standard sort of debate, it was incredibly interesting to see um, Todd Lowen, who said, oh, well, I didn't want to leave the system, so I was fighting from the inside. You just, there's no evidence of it, but now that it's a popular sentiment, and that may very well be true. He may have been pushing back against restrictions from the inside, but we never heard or saw any evidence of it until you know it became I, a popular I sentiment. I severely doubt it. I yeah, severely I, doubt he did, because you know yeah. what happened to those who did? Tossed yeah, out on their ass. Exactly. So I really doubt but, that he did. But what's interesting is uh, Todd Lowen 
pushed Danielle Smith on her floor crossing at the Western Standard debate. And she said, I've apologized for that. I've been apologizing for that since it happened. When are you going to apologize for arresting pastors? And the entire place like went, ooh. Then ooh, that he Travis Taves said that? Yeah. Travis Taves, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then Travis Taves starts talking again and brings it back to her. And this is just to echo your point from earlier, brings it back to her floor crossing and the entire place was booing him saying like, yeah. like we're, we're not focused on the sins of the past. What do you stand for today? Um, Cause there's a lot of finger pointing that could go along and don't get me wrong. The floor crossing of Daniel Smith is a massive and devastating blow in, in Albertan politics, but Conversely, it's and I don't know if this will stand. I don't know if she, everything will fall apart. Perhaps it will. Perhaps we'll make another mistake. But it seems as though she's learned from that and she's embraced and and met the grassroots. And she's having these events where four or five hundred people are showing up. Apparently, other people I've been to events where six people show up for Travis Taves, for example. Um, so yeah, I just I thought that was so interesting. It's, it just echoed everything you were saying perfectly. So, but yeah, carry on with Brian yeah. Jean. And lastly, Brian Jean. Lastly, but definitely not least. Um, yeah. Brian Jean, there are a lot of people who have Jason Kenney buyer's remorse, who wish mm -hmm. they could have cast their vote for Brian Jean to be the leader of the United Party, yeah. because both men decided now is the time we will unite the party. But unlike Daniel mm -hmm. Smith, we're going to give the grassroots a choice in what happens here. So if they unite vote to unite the party, then we will, as leaders of the two respective parties, Brian Jean as Wild Rose and Jason Kenney yeah. as the PCs, vote to like bring the parties together and then have a leadership runoff for who would be in charge. Um, yeah. He lost. And then he sort of went away to uh, tend to his family, which no one can fault him for. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of people with Jason Kenney buyer's remorse that they yeah. regret casting that vote for Jason Kenney to lead the party. And I think Brian Jean may capitalize on some of that. Um, he's got yeah. a willingness to, sit and talk or walk and talk with independent media mm -hmm. and uh, uh he was an anti well i'm not sure if he is anti-lockdown but brian jean also said there are a lot of things that we could have done differently during this pandemic that mm -hmm. jason kenny just was not willing to hear those other voices and yeah. um he you know he he wrote several op-eds about it so there there's that too and you know I don't know. Uh, UCP voters, they have um, at least three very good um, candidates to choose from. And then Travis Taves. <laughs> yeah. well, and that's just because and of his role in locking down people. Exactly. And it's really interesting. Like, I mean, really quickly, I'll touch on the other people. There is Rebecca Schultz, um, something of a, of a insider as well, to an extent, I think she might've pushed back a little bit, um, but she hasn't gained a ton of traction. Interesting. She has Rona Ambrose on her team as well, which is a pretty significant endorsement and uh, team support. I'm surprised she isn't a little bit closer to Taves because they're both sort of, I don't know, she's not quite as much of an insider, but she is sort of an inside track I MLA. She, I think Sorry, she drops out. I was going to say, I think when she drops she'll her, she'll her support behind. Yeah, she'll endorse Taves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brad Wall has endorsed her. Yeah. And, you know, everybody loves Brad Wall. Um, yeah. He's endorsed her. So she's sort of um, the, outside of Taves, the second establishment candidate that comes yeah. with less baggage than Taves. For sure.
And then some other interesting candidates, uh, Raja Ansani originally had some promise. And I know some people, including some people who were early resistors, thought she might be able to like emphasize some of those values while still winning um, some of these crucial city ridings. Um, I, I was originally scheduled to sort of meet with her and do one of these chats, and then they changed their minds suddenly. Um, but yeah, they I know like uh, MLA Angela Pitt left her campaign as well. Um, so there's that's clearly there's gone they've gone there's there's some sort of shift there. But she's she's virtually became a non-factor. She tried to attack Daniel Smith very aggressively in the last debate, and I don't I think it pretty much backfired. And then there's also uh, it was Lila cringy. Akira. It was cringy yeah, it was to kind, watch. It, yeah, it wasn't a fan. And then she's she's attacking her, and I asked her about this, and then she's saying we all need to be united. I'm like, well, everyone else is talking, you're attacking. So what, what do you mean united when you're attacking people? Anyway, she's kind of fallen by the wayside. And then there's Leela here who gained a bunch of points for taking on a bull, which was kind of cool. I'm um, at a rodeo. Uh, some, a lady went down and Leela here jumped in and like shoved the bull away. So that was kind of cool. Cool. She's but on a the nice other enough side, lady. She's, she's a, a nice everyone, enough lady. Yep. Every other candidate has said she's like the nicest lady. She agreed. We haven't gotten something scheduled. She agreed to a walk and talk as well. Um, but yeah, she, I mean a great deal of her principles particularly on social issues she's extremely progressive in the exact same camp as justin trudeau presumably um on fiscal issues she's okay it's interesting because she was a wild roser so uh, on some issues she's kind of conservative but in, in the minds of many i think and this is a sentiment i've heard is why why is she running in the conservative party because her values aren't particularly in line with the conservative party um but getting back i don't know if you have any thoughts on leela but uh we can spend a little more time talking about the sort of the front runners, uh, if that's all right. Or do you have thoughts on any of those? Sure. Sort no, of... no, yeah. no, I think that's so great. I, I was, I, I was just going to say ahead. like with regard to Taves, I know some people whom I generally like and agree with on most everything like MP Arnold yeah. Viersen from the North. I think he's endorsing Taves, but it could be like a, because everybody's Dutch. <laughs> so, so he's like, yeah, if you're not Dutch, you ain't much. And so uh, I, I see that he, I think he's endorsing Tave, or I saw some supportive posts from him. Um, but uh, I think that's well, probably the only high profile ish Alberta conservative yeah, federally that's all, with him. Everyone like behind the scenes in the UCP and all the people I know, and even the social conservatives, they're all endorsing Taves. Taves is personally pro-life, whatever that means. Um, so I know for some people that's uh, a plus. Um, I, I don't think it's really actionable. I think Daniel Smith and him have the same plans, despite her being libertarian and pro-choice. So practically speaking, they're equally I don't need them to support my church. I don't need them to support oh. my church or my religious values. I need them to yeah. leave me alone. Yeah, that's all I want. Um, and and Taves so didn't know, leave the churches alone. No, and one of the things with Taves and the support he's going to get, he was the head of a, a I don't know, it was the Ranchers or Beef Association, Cattlemen's Association, one of those big ones for years. So he has relationships in the rural communities, and mm -hmm. then he also has the inside political relations. So he will dominate rural areas i think he will unless people uh, presumably unless sure. people have been swung over by daniel smith or potentially todd lowen but i mean I, I i've been told with relatively good authority that a, a large number of ranchers and farmers just because of their relationship with him will be supporting him um so and the other thing too is that like we look back at what happened with daniel smith part of the reason she crossed the floor and it doesn't excuse her behavior at all but is that the wild rose was set to win and then canadians or Albertans rather, significantly backtracked, voted conservative, went with the old progressives. They voted very conservatively. Um, so there is this potential that on voting day, Albertans sort of 
defer to this conservative instinct, which, which isn't necessarily bad instinct. But if you're going to go conservative and risk averse, you're probably not going to vote Daniel Smith. She's more saying all the right things, but you're worried if it might backfire. Um, I, I think some people may go, may, may sort of revert or at least put Taves or Gene second is a bit of a more sort of stable option. And on a preferential yeah. ballot, that can quickly swing things. And if you have a bunch of people being like, well, Taves is okay and he's safe, but then you have, I don't know, 30% of the province being like, Daniel Smith is my number one. Some weird things can happen where on the second ballot, Taves surges ahead. Um, so there, That's there how we got Andrew some, Shear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Um, Lussell Lewis was ahead and uh, Bernier was ahead and then things shifted and that safe yeah. choice um, on preferential ballots can sometimes swing. It'll be interesting to see. I think there is sort of a threshold of Danielle Smith being sort of the outsider saying the right things, but not being on the inside track. Then you have Travis Taves extremely on the right track saying maybe a few of the right things, but not necessarily enough. I think Brian Jean is like very much in the middle of those two positions where he's saying like, and we, we talked about this in the interview where like, for example, for, Alberta sort of whether it be separation or sovereignty issues he's saying we need to open up the constitution and, and, and deal with those things uh Daniel Smith is saying we don't need to have that conversation we're just going to take uh the sort of the the action plan for Alberta and we're going to do it on our own and Taves is like we'll right we'll push a little harder on some of these letters um I think there's a pretty big gamut and I think those are the crux issues and it's across the board like both Daniel Smith and Brian Dean have been pretty hardline on like, and Todd Lowen as well on, on getting rid of existing uh, COVID-19 prosecutions um, either, either uh, like expunging records entirely. So there's no sort of record criminal record whatsoever issuing formal apologies. Um, Travis Taves has, has said, we've made mistakes. We've made mistakes. But when I push him on those specific points, he's not willing to say, hundred percent. We'll stop all of it. He's deferring to the, well, politicians shouldn't meddle in the legal system, which is a cop-out. Um, I'm Todd Lowen obviously is still is in the camp with, with Gene and Smith as to let's put an end to this. And then this is ridiculous. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, like I said, if people go back from principled vote to strategic vote and vote for something a little bit safer and on preferential ballot, that could easily happen. You know, it's a real, it, it's a pathetic cop out to say that politicians shouldn't meddle in the legal system. Hundred percent. They're the law. They're the lawmakers. Yeah. Who makes the law? But to, yeah. but aside from that, these are unjust persecutions yeah. still taking place. Church in the Vine has to come up with eighty thousand dollars by the end of the month if their appeal is not uh, accepted. Eighty thousand yeah. dollars that the state thinks they need more than this church for the crime of not allowing an inspector to run around the church like a Muppet while church was in service. And there it is, it behooves politicians to speak out against that. These are their rules that caused this harm to these people. It's, it's interesting that Jerry, uh, sorry, um, Taves was on, he was the president of the Cattlemen's Association, but he was also yeah. appointed by Jerry Ritz um, to fight the country of origin labeling for Canadian beef um, for export, which sometimes can, you know, like if people want to buy American in the United States, if you have Canadian beef labeled as Canadian beef, they won't buy it, yeah. which is, you know, so um, he was lobbied against country of origin stuff. But you look at someone who is so entrenched in the agriculture industry. How? Hmm. 
and agriculture, they were a real civil disobedient people um, with Rick Strankman and Jim Ness going to jail to end the Canadian Wheat Board, protesting a bad law. You know what? At the time, politicians stood with those guys. They said, this is a bad law. And it was not considered meddling in the legal system. When Ralph Klein stood there and said, this liberal federal law is sending these good men to jail and it won't stand. And when Harper said, as soon as I'm in power, we're ending the wheat board because people went to jail for it. So it's it's pretty pathetic that Taves can't even say the same thing. It's pathetic. Well, you're you're an elected representative, so you've been elected to represent. So represent, and I mean the the ultimate sort of whether anyone's on the fence about this anymore. The courts are now saying that based on the instructions of these uh, unelected health officials, at the behest of Jason Kenney and his government, police were enforcing illegally laws that didn't apply to people like so many of these charges and it's shocking because i still see to this very day people tweeting in response to the pastor tim stevens arrest or archer pavlowski stuff well maybe like maybe his kids will learn that this is what you get when you break the law like the courts are now saying that the that the the judges didn't understand the law and that the police broke the law and that these these uh, lockdowns didn't apply to albertans at large broadly it's it's unilaterally that political influence did lead to the misapplication of these laws we're seeing victory after victory Chris Scott, a massive victory. Uh, Arthur Pawlowski, a categorical victory on so many fronts. He's now left with what should amount to $1,100 in tickets. Um, of course, the, the government is, is pushing for more than that. But for any normal person in normal times under the law, he'd be getting in total no jail time and $1,100 in tickets. Um, so the, the, this, everything has slid so much. And you are seeing politicians start to adopt that. Now, Todd Lone and Daniel Smith were a little... Todd Lone was way ahead of the curve. Daniel Smith was a way little ahead. bit ahead of the curve. Um, and then these other candidates are now starting to say it now that it's popular. But where were we this whole time? And and for a candidate to not be willing to go all out and say, we need to end this, when the courts are even saying, like, this was not legal, These this is a clear charter violation, this never applied to these people in the first place, and... It's just a matter of some people are still seeing charges and fines. Some people have court appearances, including Chris Scott, next week, where some of his colleagues who aren't as high profile with the exact same charge have had all charges dropped. There's this yep. there's this wild double. In fact, it's this week, I believe, he's in court. There's this wild yep. and, and poli- clearly political, not judicial thing in place. And these elected officials absolutely need to stand up and say, this is enough. This needs to come to an end. The courts have made abundantly clear the narrative of we have to let the judiciary do their thing. Um, The judiciary is categorically saying on almost all these fronts, it's either massive, significant reductions to minor fines or absolute acquittal on all charges in in so many of these cases. And for a politician who's leading the freedom-minded, allegedly conservative movement or wants to uh, with the United Conservative Party, for him to be like, well, we have to defer to the legal system. Well, you should have been speaking up two years ago and not just behind the scenes publicly. Right. You know, it's interesting to see the free market, free enterprise conservatives being pro government Mm -hmm. controlling who you can serve your burgers to. And, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like the mindless droning of someone who says, well, those are the consequences because you broke the law. Um, Sometimes the law is bad. 
For example, the people who hid Anne Frank, they were breaking the law. The people who turned her in, they were uh, they were following yeah. the law. You know, it, it's just I don't get my morality from the government, but I suppose some people do. And some of these rulings are effectively saying, no, in fact, the government broke the law, the people didn't. Like, it's yeah. not translated into politicians going to jail, but the, the ruling is, no, this absolutely never applied to these people. There was no lockdown. Like, most of the Rook order, particularly for a window, I think it was uh, the end of December 2020, uh, there was a window, though, and a bunch of the language following up, it's clearly worded and restructured, um, and and per the interpretation of the Court of Appeal in Alberta, it never applied to Albertans, broadly speaking. So effectively, everyone who received tickets in within those windows, and it's likely to cascade into other windows, but it, the, the government has said this never applied to people because it's not a legal order. Um, and the government didn't do its due diligence. They didn't phrase it properly. Um, they didn't have the adequate evidence to infringe everybody's rights. Um, it did apply to named parties, um, but not to everybody. They're saying, actually, no, no, we broke the law. These people didn't break the law. And people are still trumpeting that. And it's often the liberals who've been saying the same thing and are still saying that this is a Spanish flu level thing. And they're still echoing the sentiments. It's weird, though, because they're echoing the sentiments of health officials at the onset of COVID-19. And health officials aren't saying the same thing that they were saying at the onset of COVID-19 or saying the same things they said about vaccines, for example. The mainstream narrative, and I'm just e echoing the public health yep. officer's sentiments, not disagreeing, but their sort of outlooks on the outcomes has, has changed significantly. But the activists who are saying these things, well, pastor so-and-so got what they deserved, the evidence they're based on is the most sort of hysterical and just disjointed evidence that not even Dr. Teresa Tam would agree with anymore. I think the, ne the next UCP leader has to commit to firing every single person in the legal department at Alberta Health Services. Every lawyer, yeah. every contract lawyer, every single one should be out on their ass. Um, because they were running around getting secret court orders. Naturally, the public health officer, Dina Hinshaw, what, her signature is at the bottom of all of those. Um, yeah. it's like, the, you know, you go to these churches that are ordered closed by the government. It's by the order of Dr. Dina Hinshaw. But every lawyer that snuck around behind the lawyer's backs, lawyers that represented churches and businesses, pastors, mm -hmm. every single one of those lawyers should be fired how absolutely unethical they are. They can keep the one who I think had a major blunder in court and admitted that there was charter violations taking place and all the other AHS lawyers panicked. Um, they can keep her because that was good. <laughs> Everyone else should go though. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's the, there's enormous, by the way, contract uh, lawyers. So I think they're hiring lawyers at a field law in Calgary uh, to help with these prosecutions because I just don't think they have the in-house lifting power to persecute the amount of people that Alberta Health Services would like to. Yeah. Also, Dina Hinshaw's yes. bonus, sign her petition for her to pay it back. Go to payitback.ca. She got a near quarter million dollars for the absolutely laughable job she did. And it doesn't matter if you're a pro-lockdown advocate or an absolute freedom advocate. Um, there's basically a, a significant lack of evidence behind a bunch of her uh, decisions. And then when pressed in court, she was like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, there, there's she's a, too busy. She, she said she was yeah. too busy to go to court that one time. And then and she, then went, she on went on vacation. vacation. Yeah. So yeah, she should pay back that. Let's get that signature count up to 10,000, 8,400, yeah. something there. Let's get it. Uh, let's get some signatures. I'd love to deliver that. That'd be fun. 
$600,000 almost a year, and she is still cutting her own bangs. I just yeah. I can't. And you know, the, like, the thing that drove I'm me nuts. I'm cheap too, but that's crazy. <laughs> the thing that drove me nuts is like what they determined all the people who were laid off and fired for vaccine reasons or businesses shutting down, whatever. They determined those people needed like $500 a week to get by. She was getting 11,000 something. So she, like, I think she was getting 23 times what she suggested that Albertans need to get by. Like, yeah, we're all in it together, except for the politicians yeah. in Sky Palace and Dina Hinshaw and uh, everyone else. Uh, but the, we're, we're in it together. Trust us. Trust us. Yeah. Let's jump to an ad. Remember the, yeah. Uh, hang we're on. Overdue. Remember the only time yeah, no. we ever heard, the only time we ever heard from Dina Hinshaw is when she was warning everybody about the outbreak of STDs in the wake of the Calgary Stampede every year. That's the mm. only time we ever heard from the public health officer. That's probably the only time we ever should. I wish it would go back to that. Yeah. Anyway, let's search to an ad. <laughs> Adam Sos here for Rebel News. You know, our company is growing quickly and we'd actually like for your company to grow too. That's why this ad space that I'm speaking through right now is actually available for you to purchase. So instead of people listening to me, they could actually be learning about your company, learning about your business. If this interests you, if this is an opportunity you'd like to capitalize on, send us an email at ads at rebelnews.com. Yeah, do that. I'll listen to that guy. Yeah. I, try, I trust listen that guy Listen to that entirely. guy. He's smart. <laughs> He's smart. <laughs> now, uh, Olivia suggests that we should go to some chats before we move on to, I think we'll go to the fertilizer story because Greenpeace has taken up farming advice Let's now. So we'll get to them, but we'll go to some of these chats. And I think the first one is from uh, Andrew um, Chapados' dad. Uh, Aaron Burton, 32. I, I'm not, I'm just joking. Uh, gives us five bucks. Says, keep up the great work. P.S. Bring Andrew on Wednesdays. Bring back Andrew on Wednesdays. Sure. Mr. Chapados. If <laughs> 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 we've got King 7736, gives us a buck. Does the rainbow community get bent out of shape when a busy airport is referred to as a transportation hub? Only on mm. transatlantic flights. <laughs> uh, Kane and Mark. Uh, gives us two bucks. Pastor Archer is running for premier of Alberta with the Independence Party. I saw that he made an announcement that he's running. I think he's running as an MLA. A, as an MLA. Yeah. yeah as an MLA. Not leader, but yeah. Yeah. And then Cat Barks, 68, five bucks. Hey, too. You make my Monday morning more bearable. Thanks for all you do. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. Happy to have you here. Really appreciate that. And uh, King7734 gives us a buck. Did all the leaders, politicians, the World Economic Forum is taking credit for educating go to uh, World Economic Forum U, as in we F U, the common folk. Ha ha ha. And then Fraser McBurney, our friend from Hamilton, who just loves the capital locks. Uh, he, he gives us a buck and says, are any of these candidates members of the World Economic Forum? Do any of them follow the WEF? If so, fire them. I don't think they are, but I'm sure they're going to get some tough questions about World Economic Forum policies yeah. um, at the forum slash debate on the 25th, um, which um, brings us to our next thing, because this is directly out of uh Oh, this is a World and Economic Forum policy. Really quickly, check out the long-form interviews I did with Danielle Smith, Brian Jean, and Todd Lowen so far. We do talk about that at length. Um, and the majority of those guys have made, uh, Daniel Smith sort of the firmest, but have made concerted commitments to ensuring the World Economic Forum has no business in Alberta whatsoever. So, But we'll hear more on August 25th for sure. 
Yeah, and you've done um, some exposés on how the World Economic Forum implants their people into municipal politics. Because yeah. if you get in at the municipal level, your politicians are um, more accessible. They can get mm -hmm. in front of council. They can get a meeting with the town councillor. And all of a sudden, you have an $87 billion climate plan in, in Calgary. Just like that. Global shapers, look it, it up. Yep. Global shapers, uh, okay. it's creepy. So these nitrogen targets that are causing mass protests in Holland will require farmers to abandon land and cull livestock to meet the nitrogen targets, which if you eat, you're involved because it will drive up the cost of food to the consumer to such a point where only rich people can afford meat and you will be eating the crickets. And in Canada, these targets are coming for us because these targets were written into a free trade agreement by, you guessed it, the World Economic Forum's Christia Freeland, our deputy prime minister and our finance minister, who also had to get her parents to co-sign her mortgage and burn down an entire section of Reuters economically when she was in charge there. And now she's in charge of our whole economy. But these nitrogen targets and the Paris Agreement targets were built into a free trade agreement that she was part of getting done with Europe. So that's where their nitrogen targets come from. So now we have to get them too. And they were recently announced. So if you are not experiencing enough food inflation at the grocery store, mm -hmm. guess what? More is coming. And then, by the way, this idea as a farmer, this idea that we're just like, oh, let's put extra fertilizer on the field. No, fertilizer is really expensive. You use exactly what you need and not a teaspoon more because it's super expensive. Mm. So this idea that we're just like going overboard with nitrogen in the fields, we're not. We're really well, not. We can't afford it. Is a fair analogy to insist bakers use 30% less flour? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty it's much. that yeah, it's or, that catastrophic. Yeah. Or, or a trucker using 30% less fuel. Like Yeah. 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 And and it, it it I would equate it to the yeast and the bread. So when you're yeah. like, oh, I should have 10 loaves of bread, but instead I have these like three little lumps, that's how important yeah. it is to farming yeah. and and our yields. But here comes Greenpeace, uh, not known for their uh, agricultural good sense. They say higher federal target needed to curtail fertilizer emissions, says environmental organization. I like how they call Greenpeace an environmental organization. They don't even name them as Greenpeace until the subheadline because you, most people would immediately write them off when they say it's Greenpeace. Greenpeace Canada is calling on Ottawa to increase its target of reducing fertilizer emissions by 30% below 2020 levels. Oh, God. So, Oh, God, that's two years ago. By 2030, up to 50%. And there's the agriculture minister supporting agriculture by wearing a red leather jacket, um, supporting our beef producers. Um, an ambitious target set by the federal government to reduce greenhouse gas emissions associated with fertilizer does not go far enough, according to environmental organization that argues Canada needs to restrict its production of synthetic fertilizer. So they not only do they not want us to use it, but they want us to restrict production of it. Because yeah, this is a shortage. Be, there's already a shortage because of the war in Ukraine. And yeah. Saskatchewan produces an enormous amount of potash. And potash is required in fertilizer production. So not only yeah. do they want to kill farmers, they also want to kill mining jobs simultaneously. So Saskatchewan, they're getting a double dose of this on both sides of their economy. And I bet... 
I bet Justin Trudeau is going to go along with this because of course. Oh yeah. 100%. And you know, I mean, there's no trying to rationalize this as a sane person who cares about other human beings is completely impossible. Like life is untenable right now. The costs, unless you're extremely wealthy for even upper middle class, like uh, heating bills are astronomical. Grocery bills are sky high. Fuel costs are high. Everything is, is so challenging, particularly for Justin Trudeau's beloved middle lower class. Um, he's making everything so incredibly difficult and these policies are making it worse. But forgive me for uh, prophesying a little bit here. I think this dude wants absolutely to bring back martial law and he wants to create, he's like, he just got over the trucker rebellion and the, the coots blockade and all of this stuff. And he misses that power, that grab. So he's like, huh, this clearly negligent decision that will destroy livelihoods, drive up costs, make everyone completely dependent on the government. Uh, that was COVID-19 has, has passed. So now we've seen massive rebellions and resistances in Europe to this type of policy. Let's bring it in here. The whole world is looking at this, like, what are you doing? And Justin Trudeau was like, yes, that's the next step for us. His only regret, I think, is that he didn't get to it first because he would have loved to stick it to the West and stick it to working class people. Now he's imitating what these other countries are doing. Doing this, and I'm not espousing this, I'm not advocating for it, but when you push truckers who have and, and, and farmers and ranchers who have already been pushed to the edge. They will push back. We've seen it before, and we're going to see it again, particularly if the government keeps heading down this dangerous path. I just want to read to you something from some website known as the Progressive Farmer, so that should tell you where they are coming from on this issue. Um, as Sri, Lankan, Sri Lanka's government collapses, farmers in the Netherlands continue protesting, and the one connection between the civil unrest is government fertilizer policies. Empires have fallen over food. Um, yep. With the war in Ukraine driving up food and energy prices, fertilizer access has become a major point of contention as immediate food needs overwhelm long-term environmental policies such as reducing emissions. Sri Lanka's president, attempting to reduce government subsidies for imported fertilizer, announced an end to chemical fertilizer and inputs, saying Sri Lankan's agriculture would go 100% organic. The move failed as land was idled and production of crops such as rice and tea, staples, collapsed. Farmers in the Netherlands are continuing to shut down towns with their tractors, protesting a plan passed by the government in late June to reduce agricultural emissions from ammonia and nitrous oxide by 50% by 2030. Um, this, is, it's, this is really bad, not just for Canadians, but for the rest of the world, because Canada feeds the world. Yeah especially the developing world, because what people don't know is not only are we the world's largest exporter of canola. So places where you don't, it, it becomes difficult to have animal fats, whatever. Canola is the solution to that. But also we export the world's largest, um, we're the world's largest exporter of pulses. So chickpeas, uh, lentils, and that is an absolute food staple in the developing world because it's cheap, it's dry, it's portable, and you can store it forever. And it's calorically yeah. dense. And if our food production collapses here, if things are going to be tough for Canadians. People are going to be experiencing food insecurity. 
But when you think about who this hurts the most, it is the Canadian poor and the developing world because we cannot give them the calorically dense, dry, portable, easily stored food that they need. But maybe yeah. that's the intention here. Yeah, well, it's time and time again, you look at the sort of decisions and they're not rational. They're not good for average Canadians. They're not literally like the, the end game in all of these things is, is increased dependence on the government. But like we saw in China with the great leap forward, that manifesto of theirs, when they're like, ah, we'll centralize authority and everyone will be dependent on us and we'll force people into a new age. It was the first great reset imposed by communists, something like 50 million conservatively starved to death. Um, because if farmers aren't making food and providing food for people, it doesn't matter what government policies you have. It doesn't matter how much uh, they say is in the silo if the silo is empty. Um, it's, it's incredible and it's such an extension, especially to see like we were just talking about, lots of the COVID-19 overreach being condemned now by the courts, that the courts aren't waking up and taking immediate action to cease this activity. Because fundamentally undermining people's livelihoods like this is, is tantamount to theft. Like, we're going to completely clip and, 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 and like clip your wings as a citizen in this allegedly free country. Farmers some years can do very well and make good money. Other years, it's incredibly difficult and they lose money and they sort of do that dance and they keep afloat by doing that. I guarantee you, if you are successful in limiting effectively 30% of that income right off the top, those float years will no longer accommodate for the hard years. You, you, you're losing so much money that the farms will go away. And when the farms go away, well, the food goes away. I don't, I don't understand how Justin Trudeau can be so disjointed from reality. I don't know if he is overtly evil or if he has really bad advice or if he's absolutely daft and clueless. Um, but the courts, other politicians, people need to universally take a stand and put an end to this. I, for one, back to the conversation about UCP leadership, am grateful that virtually all of the candidates have said the, this fertilizer reduction thing is not happening here. Like they've, they've said no categorical full stop. Just so people understand what this means to farmers, again, because there's a lot of people out there who think, oh, those rich farmers, look at how much land they have. It's one thing to be land rich, but uh, then you're paying taxes on the land and uh, mortgage payments on the land and finance payments on your equipment. And pretty soon you're just scraping by and one bad hailstorm can level yep. you a combine just so people understand yeah remember when i was uh watching the um trucker documentary the coots <laughs> documentary and i was like ah look at that's like oh i was so excited i love looking at farm equipment <laughs> until you yeah. have to pay for it uh, yeah. I just pulled up kijiji right now a 2014 john deere s680 combine uh a fairly good deal $315,000, and that's, you know, eight years old, used. Um, and you're going to have to go all the way to Saskatoon to get it, pick it up, and truck it back, which is also a substantial cost. So that's just used farm equipment just to farm. And so you have to think, you know, when you are telling farmers, okay, you have to make, now you have to make 50% less and still yeah. pay for this stuff. What happens? People just get out of farming because you can only lose money for so long. And what does yeah. that do to the state of the world? 
um, that uh, Clarkson's Farm Show. I don't know if you've seen it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. yeah. Jeremy Clarkson from Grand Tour and Top Gear and all that good stuff. He does a farming show and like he doesn't know what he's mm. doing, but he enters this. And if you don't know anything about farming, you don't know what this is, what this is like. He works harder than he's ever worked. He hires people. He's learning this stuff. He buys all the equipment. And after the, the sort of hardest period of work of his life, I think he makes $736. Now, yeah. a professional farmer is going to do better than that in those circumstances. But it is a really good introduction for folks who don't understand what goes into it and the sort of you basically need to be quite good at math, quite good at farming, quite good at a bunch of other things, and then have an economic mind. Hey, look at this. They pulled up the Jeremy Clarkson Lamborghini tractor already. Yeah. So that's great. They're such wizards in the studio. But it's worth checking out because it's one, it's beautifully shot. Two, he's very funny. But you really do get a sense of this sort of even the politics and the rural uh, homeowners groups and everything, everything that farmers have to deal with to sometimes make 700 bucks a year and they're probably living off their own crop in order to eat for that year. So check it out. And, and, and then imagine, imagine that experience and then add 30% of like your core sort of fertilizer scrapped. Yep. Plus yep. carbon tax and on fuel plus a plus yeah. carbon tax plus now reduced yield. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's not going to be good, but the good news is if you don't have beef to eat, because you can't grain finish them because it's there's no grain. Um, yeah. You can just eat maggots. Um, mm. Apparently, speaking, um, of there's this, <laughs> speaking of which, I just, it, the clip is two years old, but um, it got pushed, the algorithm pushed it to me, um, which, you know, in that sense, the algorithm knew what I wanted to see. Uh, we've got this <laughs> clip here about once there's no more conventional dairy producers because there's this weird yeah. war on the cow out there and i'm willing yeah. to make the argument that uh humanity's best friend is not a dog but rather the mighty ruminant the bovine um mm -hmm. but since they're not good for the environment so the good people at greenpeace tell us there are other ways to get the animal fats that you need can we go to that clip please and if you have a weak stomach like me i'm just so sorry in advance all this cake needs is flour, eggs, and 20 grams of dead insects. No, you haven't misheard. A team of scientists at Belgium's University of Ghent are trying to find a way to substitute dairy in cakes, cookies, and waffles. They say deriving grease from insects is more green than dairy production. Um, they are more sustainable because they use mm -hmm. less land. They are more efficient converting feed to weight. Um, they also use less water to produce, and in this case, they are uh, they can be produced within Europe. That will decrease the footprint that other type of uh, food sources um, bring, because they come from far away. Let's say South America or uh, Southeast Asia. By soaking the insects in a little bit of water and then mushing them with a kitchen blender before centrifuges separate a butter-like substance, a oh grease is made which the team used to bake with. But how does it go down outside of the lab? For me, there's no difference. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, it's, it's actually better. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you would eat insect fat cakes again? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> no? no. <laughs>
The team say that consumers can't taste the difference when a quarter of the milk butter is replaced with the fat from the insects. But they start to notice when it gets to the halfway mark. So who knows? So sneak One day you could in. be munching on a cockroach croissant as you head to the office, or making your nearest and dearest a beetle birthday cake. That's a hard no for me. Yeah, Coming you know, here from Alberta, that's a hard no. <laughs> that's a hard no, friends. And it's it's just fascinating to watch this because you think, okay, well. There's cows all over the place. You can just go milk one. It's wait till the cream rises to the top. Scoop that off. Put that in a mason jar. Mason jar. You don't need any technology. You don't need any blenders. You don't need a centrifuge. You don't need any. You don't need a bucket of maggots. You need a cow, or mm-hmm. even if you get if you're lazy and you don't know where there are any cows, go to the grocery store. Get some heavy cream. Pour it into a jar. Shake the daylights out of it. You've got butter and you've got buttermilk. Use the buttermilk for biscuits or pancake and you have butter. If you're lazy, put it in the blender. Literally put it in the blender. You will have butter instantly. And yet they are telling me that the way of the future is this extra complicated, labor-intensive and disgusting way to get fat from this animal. And from this animal we shouldn't be eating? No, no, just. Give me butter. What's wrong with these people? It's well, so gross. Like the, it's like their, a lab is trying to counteract the evolution of tried, tested, and true practices. Like farmers want to get the most. They, like these, we're talking about people who make clocks out of animal droppings. Um, like the entire pelt turns into uh, jackets and leather yeah. and car interiors. The the fat is is turned into like the, the dairy. Like every part of the bloody cow is used, minus some entrails, and even in some places those are used. Like. This they're using the whole thing. They put the heads on walls. They're using every possible inch of this cow. And then they're like, oh yeah, no, of course. We need to use bugs instead. I mean, it's not as though those bugs don't output anything either. And then these lab-grown processes, it's absolutely just and the other thing too is I don't even care about all those academic arguments. Like during the last federal debate, I remember Roman Babber saying, like, I'm not going to eat crickets. And Jean Charest and Aitchison were like, I'm, we're not eating bloody crickets. Just like on a sensible <laughs> level, sane people don't want to eat bugs. We want to eat a delicious steak. That's that's yeah. what normal sane people want to do. So go away. Stop spending money on bugs. We don't want to eat the bugs. If someone wants to eat bugs and they're a kooky environmentalist who has a hundred grand to drop on a Tesla and has all the money to drop on solar powers panels, they can start their own little cricket farm. They can custom source it. But like the fact that government resources are being allocated on this nonsense is insane. I wonder if Justin Trudeau has ever eaten anything bug related. Like I, I, I probably it. not. Probably not. Yeah, I don't. This is the stupidest push. It's like, you know, what, uh, the other stuff you get the kook. I completely disagree with like the the COVID res- uh, lockdowns restrictions. I completely disagree with this fertilizer cap. But like, you get the sort of edgy World Economic Forum misguided inspirations and political aspirations behind it. It's stupid, but you get it. This bug push is just moronic. Like it's yeah, I, it's not. I don't understand why. It. <laughs> I don't understand. We don't that. Like, need bugs. My great grandmother stood somewhere on this property, actually over there, and shook a mason jar full of cream to make butter for her family right here. Why are we doing this crazy labor-intensive laboratory food business 
when you have cows that are chocked full of fat, you can get tallow from them. You can get butter from them. They're ruminants again. I think they're magical mm. creatures. They, they are. they are man's best friend. And yet there's this weird push to get us eating bugs. And it is not good for human nutrition. I think it's not good for the future of humanity. I really don't. And there's a, I've, I've read that book of the Bible where the yeah. plague comes. And I feel like this is going to set off a plague. I yeah, really the do. locusts come. They're going to come on our plates instead of by the sky. Um, you yeah. know what I think we should do? And this is completely off the cuff. And I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, we need to get a rebel cow. Like buy a cow, have it be our mascot. Um, let's buy a cow. A steer. Yeah. A steer. Let's yeah. get a steer so I can eat it at the end. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm good with that. We'll all have a rebel <laughs> um, dinner. Okay, well, we'll get a steer. Go to buythesteer.com. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, one last thing before we go, because it's in the headline of the YouTube description, yeah. and I will get emails if it's not. We should talk about um, how I think it is the liberals knew that the airports were understaffed. Let's bring that up. It's from the yeah. good folks at Black Locks Reporter. If you don't have a subscription to them, um, it's worth every single penny. They do the work that um, the mainstream media doesn't do and that the liberals don't want anybody doing. So the government knew of short staffing. And right now the government is trying to blame the airlines, but the airlines are not the people in charge of security screeners. Yeah. Uh, Transport Minister... Uh, that hobgoblin Omar al-Jabra knew last spring. <laughs> so like months and months and months ago. Just the, slightly the after Fed we all knew this was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. That the federal airport security workforce was short-staffed by 25%, according to a briefing note. They also laid off a bunch of them as a cost-saving measure during the pandemic. They can't even mm -hmm. save money properly, this federal government. No. Al-Jabra at the time blamed airport delays on Canadians eager to travel. Ah, it was our fault. Just like how it's our fault. It's uh, systemic misogyny that caused Justin Trudeau to grope that reporter that one time. And then systemic racism that caused him to wear blackface uh, thrice, I think. Uh, staff in a May 13th briefing note called airport and flight delays told Al Jabra that Canadian Air Transport Security Authority was short a quarter of its employees due to COVID layoffs. The authority retained 75% of its workforce during the pandemic to assist with recovery, wrote staff. Screening contractors called back all available personnel in preparation for the summer peak. Uh, he said, we are witnessing delays across all sectors of our economy that are a result of increasing demand imbalance, he told the commons. We are seeing an increased demand and appetite for people who want to travel. Yeah, and, and that goes with everybody, by the way, not just for the vaccinated, the un, unvaccinated wanted to travel too, but I guess their needs and wants weren't considered, but they did this. They laid off people to um, save money during COVID and here we are. And this is being replicated at the passport office. Um, yeah. I think it's half maybe. More, maybe more than that. I forget the exact number because there's so many bizarre cost saving measures and, and work from home measures that the federal government took that they are not ending for some reason um, at, the, at the passport office where an enormous amount of them are still working from home while yeah. Canadians are lined up around the block to uh, wait in line to get their passport, getting there at 6 a.m. or sleeping there like it's a Garth Brooks concert tickets for sale <laughs> the night before. And, uh, 
the liberals, their solution was not to bring people back. Say like everybody get back in the office. They said, yeah. you know what the problem is with these people sleeping on the streets? We need more office chairs. So they ordered yeah. office chairs instead. You know, it's like you you wonder how a country goes from Venezuela to Venezuela. Um, and this <laughs> is it. It's a bunch of stuff like yeah. this. This is how Canada goes from Canada to Canada. So, uh, yeah. 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 Keep an eye out. Stay it's vigilant. Go- stay frosty. <laughs> it's how we go from Harper's Canada to Trudeau's Canada. Exactly. Sunny uh, ways. Okay. Sunny ways. Let's get to some of these chats. Uh, yes. Paul Otto. Oh, no. Sorry. Let's go up one. Uh, AMT 60. A buck. I live in Ottawa, but my mortgage renews June 24 or 2024. Okay. I want to sell here in over a year and move somewhere cheaper. New Brunswick is cheaper, but not freedom oriented. Could I buy a decent small house in Alberta for 25,000 or 250,000? You could buy a McMansion in some of the uh, bedroom communities for 250,000 with low property taxes and no traffic congestion. So I don't know, go where your buck takes you, but Alberta for sure. Yeah. Uh, Paul Otto Newman gives us uh, five bucks and says, is it possible or even viable to replace Farm Credit Canada with a provincial alternative in Alberta? Kind of, kind of have one with the ATB, Alberta Treasury Bank or whatever yeah. it is now. Um, so we kind of have uh, an alternative with the ATB, but it's still, it, it, I mean, they have some strong agriculturally um, crafted products for farmers. But um, Farm Credit Canada was designed for farm credit. Maybe mm -hmm. they should provide that without the uh, litmus test of politics. Well, I know uh, Brian Jean and a couple other people are talking about ATB. They basically have this board of executives that hosts these elaborate bourgeois events as though they're banking executives. They're not serving Albertans. They're taking massive profits off a bank that's owned by us effectively. Um, so I know that there's extensive talks about having the most competitive rates, uh, particular bonuses for small businesses, rural businesses, um, and, and a major emphasis and shift towards helping farmers. So I know that, that is, uh, that's something that's being discussed broadly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the Alberta Treasury branches is what it is. Yeah. Everybody just calls it ATB, but it's wholly owned by the province. Yeah. Um, Fraser McBurney, two bucks. When I get my pension, this is what I'm buying, a photo of a scorpion saying, so you want to eat me. <laughs> uh, Uta Bursi or Judah Bursi gives us five bucks. What a bunch of morons trying to convince us to eat bugs that are supposed to taste like butter. Yeah, or like you could just eat butter. Like butter, you know what tastes yeah. like butter? Butter. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want a flag of a grasshopper that underneath it says "Don't crunch on me." <laughs> Adam, you shouldn't have given that idea out to the world. I'm sorry. Go to Rebel News Star. It'll be there soon. <laughs> it better, yeah. Uh, Adam Ottawa gives us a buck. They're trying. They're trying already, or they're already making cat treats with discreetly added crickets for protein. Mm-hmm. I bought some that made my cat vomit. Check those pay, those pet food labels now. Um, I know that that um, massive um, cricket farm in Ontario, the new one that got all the money, Aspire Foods, ugh, Aspire Foods, um, that got all the money from the feds. Theirs is supposed to go to pet food with an, a keen eye to being people food later on down the road. Um, I don't know. 
I've seen my cat try to eat grasshoppers, but I think it's just for fun. I don't know if it's something that cats generally would eat, I guess, just because it's fun because they're hopping and like you catch it, then you eat it. It's kind of fun if yeah. you were a cat, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I've seen it's, I guess it's better than the vegan cat treats. Have you seen those? I yeah, guess. Oh, yeah. oh my. Yeah, like, what? So you know why? who's making what? the decisions. Yeah. It's not the owner. Oh, by mom. the way, re real quick, <laughs> great to see a lot of interaction today on the chats. I love to see that. Real quick, Adam Ottawa, you're on like all of our streams all the time, whether it's an election yeah. coverage thing or this. Uh, Adam, I'd like you to shoot me an email at adam at rebelnews.com. I'm going to send you a shirt. Uh, from the store that you pick. So shoot me an email, we'll chat, and I'm going to send you a shirt because you're just always here, always participating, always engaging in these chats. Lots of other people are as well. So thanks to all of you. But I always see Adam Ottawa's name, always engaging. So uh, shoot me an email, adam at rebelnews.com. We'll set that up. And let that be a lesson to the rest of you. Continue to chat. <laughs> Continue to submit those paid chats because Adam Sos might select you at random for a t-shirt. <laughs> just like that. And it's By not because his name's Adam. I'm not biased. Oh, I don't know. By the way, if you uh, if you want to support the work that we do and wear your uh, rebel spirit with pride, uh, head on over to rebelnewsstore.com. Adam's got a shirt. I've got a shirt. I've got my re resistance shirt on. It's got uh, tractors and I think that's what it is. Yeah. No farmers, no food yeah. is my shirt. Yeah. So we've got some new stuff up there. New Justin Trudeau stuff, new farmer beef pride stuff. Um, this Castro one is uh, highly popular. So we've got no farmers, no food. And then we've got the resistance one, which is great yeah. because it's the truckers and the farmers together. We have a cool clean water now one as well, actually, too. It's like a water yeah. drop with, yeah, I like that shirt a lot. I've got one coming in the way. So, yeah. Oh, that's so check cute. That the out. rebel heart one. And we've got a monkey like pox one, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've got uh, a lot of great stuff that we're always refreshing the store. Mm -hmm. I just saw a pro firearms rights one in there that I don't have yet. I'll submit an order to the store. Um, yeah. I think that's everything. Do we have everything, Olivia? Is that all? We're all cleaned up. Great. Adam, thanks for co-hosting the show with me today. Happy to do it. Uh, thanks to Olivia and Efron in the studio in Toronto and everybody who works very, very hard behind the scenes to make sure that the show gets out in places where you can find it. Thanks to everybody who tuned in today and a special thanks to everybody who pitched in a little bit to keep the lights on. And as you just saw with Adam, so, so you just might randomly be gifted a t-shirt. Um, and uh, I think I'm here tomorrow with David Menzies, but you never really do know. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane. You said today that Tamara Leach was a political prisoner and a victim of a weaponized court system. Could you elaborate on that and why uh, you think she was treated unfairly? Well, two judges, uh, it's that really, those aren't really my words. The judges have come out and said clearly that um, the court system is not a system that should be judging people's political views. And in the first case, the judge that detained Tamara was a former liberal candidate, and many believe that she should have recused herself from that case. And in the, in the, the other situation, 
includes a crown attorney who over a long period of time has given over approximately $17,000 to the Liberal Party. And so there is a presence of bias. And I think that the criminal justice system has to be above reproach. It Justice does not only have to be done, it has to be seen to be done. And when a judge has to step in for a second time and say that the court system is not a place to settle political vendettas, then it's obvious that her detention uh, went beyond just mere web, uh, legal principles. It went into her political beliefs, um, which the judge clearly said that she was not at a trial. It was a bail hearing. And the facts will come out at a trial. And, and so the bail hearing wasn't the proper form for that.